Good morning, Mission Vineyard. Good morning. Good morning. My name is John Arelli. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to welcome you this morning. Thank you all for, for visiting. Uh, we are in a series called In the Wilderness, going through the wilderness. We have a guest, preacher, one of my dearest friends. We don't get to see each other a lot, but pastor of Thrive Vineyard, Scott Hatch in Austin, and uh, here to preach this morning. We've got a wonderful time of worship planned this morning. If you would stand with me, we have a simple liturgy. It's just come Holy Spirit. We expect that when we come to church, this is the time when we get to celebrate and Living the life of a follower of Jesus means that everything is changed. So in this time, we get to celebrate all that God's done. We get to be reminded of who he is. We're going to be declaring some truths about God in worship this morning that I think are just concrete to faith. But we begin welcoming the power and the presence and the transformation of the Holy Spirit. So would you just pray with me right now? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you into all of life. That's our mission here at Mission Vineyard to welcome Jesus into all of life. Jesus, that you would be glorified this morning, that our praises would be lifted high, that you would be, as you said, you were higher than the highest, that your name is above every name, Jesus, and that that name would change us, that your lordship, that your kingship, that your trinity, that everything of who you are, God, would change us, transform us, remind us of the adventure of life with you that is so beautiful, God. You're amazing, God. Let's worship God together this morning.
prepared for communion. One of the key ways we are made in God's image is that we are relational beings. From the beginning, God has been making himself available to meet our needs for interactive connection with him. Even when we fell from grace, God continued to make himself accessible. The Bible is a history of God's faithfulness in engaging with human beings, making himself knowable. When Jesus redefined the Passover meal by giving his disciples a new simple form, he was continuing that work of building interactive connection between God and all men. In effect, communion broadens the focus of the Passover so all nations can come into relationship with God. It is a simple form focused on the sacrifice God made in order to develop and sustain a transformative relationship for all people. When we take the bread and wine, it reminds us of who we are, creatures made in the image of God, made to be in relationship with God. No matter how far we have wandered away, we are still made in his image. He still gives us ability to connect with him. Our part is to be open and receive him. Lord, I just want to bless the elements that you've given us, the bread and the wine, this, this tradition that you've laid before us. And we just thank you for it and honor your name. Let's take the bread. This is from Matthew 26. During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. Let's eat the bread, remembering we were made to be in relationship with God. I can change this. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, God's new covenant poured out for many people on the re for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink the juice, remembering what the sacrifice, what he sacrificed in order to be available to us. Lord, I just thank you for your presence here. And I just thank you that you do make yourself available to us. your voice and you have led me through the fire the darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God I just encourage you haven't known God as your father and as your friend.
invite you. Even if you don't know who the God of the Bible is, is your first time coming to church, your first time hearing worship. He is a God who has redeemed us of every sin, who has loved us despite anything we could have done. Maybe you feel like, you know, well, whenever I sin, well, we all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. Man, well, what if I've been so blessed? Well, every blessing comes from God. It's a gift from God. And he's our Heavenly Father. He is that friend who provides. And so I just want to sing that verse again and just declare that over our lives. You have led me through the fire, darkest night, you're close like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness. Thank you, worship team. That's beautiful. My name is Kate, and I just wanted to welcome you to Mission Vineyard this morning. It's a joy to worship with you. Um, I have just a few announcements, but first and foremost, if you're a first-time visitor or a new guest um, to Mission Vineyard, I wanted to give you a warm welcome. We're so glad that you chose to be with us this morning. Um, take a leap of faith and um, maybe join in a new congregation. So welcome. Um, we hope that if you are new that you received a welcome packet or bag coming in. Um, there is a connect card in there. We would love to get to know you a little bit more. If you're comfortable sharing your email address, we would be glad to add you to our weekly email list, which keeps you updated on everything that's happening um, in the life of the church. If you're visiting with us online, you can also check out a website called connect or nextsteps.missionvineyard.org and that has the same online form as well. We would love to um, just plug you in and get to know you a little bit more. We also are a church of small groups as we like to say and small groups are currently still meeting. There's a couple taking a break in the summer but about to ramp back up. We meet online and, and in person so it's a mixture of, of what you're comfortable with for all walks of life, all ages and we'd love to welcome you into a smaller group and just get you plugged into fellowship with our Lord. You can also visit, visit smallgroup.missionvineyard.org where you can see all of the groups that are meeting. You can see the leaders. You can even reach out and connect with them if you just want to check it out. Um, so we hope that you'll join us there. And then also one of our small groups meets um, the first Sunday of every month, and it's a worship circle. From what I understand, it's kind of a back porch get-together of creative types of all all types so not just worship through music but arts um 
any type of creative bone. And maybe you don't feel like you have a creative bone, but we all were uh, made to worship our Lord. And so this is a great way to just meet others with that heart for worship. It meets um, this afternoon from 3 to 5 at the home of Destiny and James. So if you're interested, um, just connect with them afterwards, and they can give you all the details. But we'd love to see you there first Sunday of every month, um, and that happens to be today. Um, last, I'm just going to pray for our speaker today and our gifts and our offerings. Um, we have people making gifts online. Um, if you prefer giving in person, there is also a, back, a, a basket in the back. But visit give.missionvineyard.org where you can make um, easy online gifts and offerings. And so, Jesus, I just want to thank you for all of those gifts and offerings that are being made, Lord. Um, would you multiply our resources? Would you use those for God's kingdom work um, that we would use Use our resources to your glory, um, to spread your word and your gospel, Lord. I pray um, specifically for our guest speaker today, Scott, would you just fill him with your presence? Would, would your words be overflowing um, through what he has to say? And I just pray that we would meet you here today and this morning. And so thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Braden and the rest of your family. Uh, I'm so thankful that as a movement of churches in the vineyard that we get to share together. Uh, and, I, you know, this, we, we've had somebody from Dallas come. We've had uh, Derek uh, from Live Oak. And then our area leader will be preaching soon as well. Uh, but Scott Hatch and I, Scott, come on up. Uh, we served on the same staff in yes, Sugarland. Yes, we did. We were part of the same church. Yes, and, we were. Uh, we left. Yes, we did. <laughs> uh, we were sent out joyfully with yes. blessing yes. Uh, to plant churches, you guys in Austin and us in San Antonio. That's right. And we've That's been right. on adventure. Let me tell you, there's something of character that I have always received from Scott, and that's something of courage. Both Scott and Sarah have just welled up with courage through year after year after year of sometimes feeling like, God, and this is, the, this is the, the life of every church planter. Lord, was I crazy? Yes. Uh, certainly you have someone better th for this than me. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, just a few phone calls that we've had, a few coffees just over the years. I'm so thankful that you all get to share in the family of the vineyard by hearing Scott today, by uh, being part of the larger movement. This is who we are coming together as family to continue the movement of the kingdom of God that God is doing, that Jesus is doing in us first and then in discipleship for the rest. So I'm just thankful that you're here, thankful for making the drive this morning, and uh, God bless you in your ministry, and get ready for a great sermon. So excited. Bless Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much, John. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I got to say it is a terrific honor to be here and to have the privilege and honor to share with you guys Mission Vineyard, and uh, about John and Ar Arlita, wow. We've got the privilege of knowing them over the last few years. We were on staff in Sugarland together, as John mentioned. And John and our leader are just such a terrific family. But I don't have to tell you guys that. You already know they're a terrific family. But one of the things that I love so much about John and our leader is when we first moved to Austin, our house got broken into. And they broke in and they stole all kinds of church equipment. And I told John about it. And did you know that John got in his car, he drove all the way to Austin, Texas. He came to my house, and guess what he did? 
He, rep- he prayed, that's right. That was, that was the first thing that he did was, was he prayed. But you know what else he did? He went beyond praying. He went to Lowe's and bought a brand new door and put it on my house because the thieves had destroyed it. That's the kind of pastor that you guys have here at Mission Vineyard. I have so much respect for John and Arlita and being on staff at the Sugarland Vineyard. Them moving here to San Antonio to plant a church was just such a courageous thing. And I remember seeing them doing that and thinking to myself, wow, like, could anybody actually do that? I mean, it's one thing to move down the street and start a church, but it's a much bigger thing to move to a whole nother zip code, a whole nother city and do it. But that's exactly what they did. And when they did that, it, it kind of planted a little seed inside of our hearts that said, Lord, maybe we could do that too. And ultimately, you know, as our path started to unfold, we ended up in Austin, Texas, and and God has been so good. It's been hard, but God has been so good. But today it is an honor to speak to you guys, Mission Vineyard Church. This is a beautiful church, and today I am speaking on the subject of covenant in the book of Exodus. But before I get into my message today, I wondered, could I get just a little bit of crowd participation from you guys? What do you think, Robert? Can we get a little crowd participation today? Okay. All right, awesome. So I, I want to know, just by a quick show of hands, I want to know, do you know someone? Now, I'm not trying to get in, into your business yet. I want to know, do you know someone, not you personally, but do you know someone who sometimes can be a little bit stubborn and doesn't like to follow directions. Does anybody in here know? You know don't point now. Don't point. That, that was a lot of hands. A lot of us, right? We know some people that sometimes can be a little stubborn and don't always like to follow directions. Well, several years back when Sarah and I were first dating, we decided that we were going to go on a road trip. We were going to go, yeah, we were going to go to the Frio River, and I know this isn't like across the country or anything, but from Houston, Texas, the Frio River is quite a drive. And this was the times before Apple Maps, this was the time before Google Maps, believe it or not, there was actually a time before Google or Apple Maps. And uh, so in order for us to find our way to our destination, you know what we had to do? We had to A, Either use one of those big fold-out maps, right, which nowadays people say don't text and drive. It's much more dangerous to pull one of those maps out and drive. I mean, it's just way more dangerous. So that was option number one. Option number two was ask for directions. Now, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and we were just taught that just one of the things is you just you don't ask for directions. That's just, that was the way I, I grew up. And the third option was to follow the road signs. And so we set out on our trip to the Frio River, and we were on our way, and we were excited about getting there and being with friends. And, you know, somewhere around Kerrville, you know, we, we took a couple of wrong turns. I saw some signs for some places that I wanted to go check out, and I thought, oh, no, no problem, babe. We'll, we'll find our way there. And so uh, we kind of get lost a little bit, and all the while Sarah is saying, babe, we got to stop and ask for directions. We got to stop and ask for directions, but I'm, I'm certain, I'm confident that I know exactly where we are going. Well, five hours later, longer than the trip should have taken, we finally arrive at our destination. Now, to try to describe the emotion that was going on in the vehicle upon our arrival, I, I don't even know that I could put it into words. I mean, we felt lost. I mean, we felt uh, a little bit of despair even, wondering, will we ever get to our destination? Uh, Sarah was a little bit angry, right? 
I was scared. I mean, there was all kinds of emotion going on there in that moment. And friends, the reason why I share this story with you today is because when you don't follow directions, sometimes you can end up lost. You can end up off the beaten path. You can end up sometimes distressed and even in some cases in a place of despair. And I would argue that it's the same for us in our spiritual lives as well. If we don't follow the directions that God gives us, that he outlines for us in his word, then sometimes we can find ourselves in a bad place. But as we are going to see today from the book of Exodus and the story of Jesus is that it takes more than simply good directions to live a thriving life with God. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to welcome Jesus into all of life and thrive in our relationship with him, right? And so what I want to do is I want to invite the presence of the Lord, and then I'm going to dig into the subject of covenant. But God is already here, isn't he? He's already here. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come. Lord, that in these next few moments that we have together, as we unpack your word, Lord, that you would just breathe life on this message. Lord, that your words would come alive, God, that they would bring transformation into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, I've prepared, but I need your power. I've studied, but I need your spirit. Lord, thank you that you are here, that you are in this place, and I just pray that you would come now. Breathe life into these words that I'm going to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I am speaking on the subject of covenant in the book of Exodus, but before I unpack the specific covenant that we find between God and Moses in the book of Exodus, I want to talk for a second about just covenant in general. What is covenant in the Bible? Well, one way to define a covenant is to define it as a promise, a contract, or an agreement. The Hebrew word that is translated as covenant in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word berit, and it literally means to cut. And it often carries the meaning of, of, of a cutting, a literal cutting of flesh that takes place. And we see this in several of the biblical covenants. There is a sacrifice that takes place. Now, in our culture today, we don't really walk around using the word covenant very often, do we? We don't say, I'm going to enter into an, a covenant agreement with you. Instead, we usually use another word. We use the word contract. And when something is important to us, we, we sign our names down on a contract. Don't we normally do that? As one person said, if it's important in life, you write it down, right? And it's true. Recently, I got a new truck. It was amazing, but I had to sign a lot of paperwork to get that truck. I mean, I had to sign away the, you know, my firstborn child and, you know, sign all this paperwork to say that I would pay my payments on the truck. Then when we got a house, anybody here who's ever bought a house before, you know, you've got to sign a ton, a ton. I mean, I spent like 30 minutes signing paperwork, right, just to buy a house when I married Sarah, we both had to sign an agreement saying we were committed to being together, committed to one another. When something's important, we write our names down in ink. But when something is important to God, he doesn't just write his name down in ink. He often signs his name in blood. And it happens through covenant. Now, I'll be the first to admit there are times in my life where I break my promises. 
I wish that I could stand up here and say that every time I say yes, it always means yes. And every time I say no, it always means no. But the reality is, is in my life, there are times where I make commitments and I say I'm going to do things and I break my word. And chances are, if you were really honest with yourselves as well, you would say that there are probably times in your life that you don't always keep your promises. You don't always keep your word as well. A recent example of me not exactly keeping my word, uh, Sarah and I, we were having a conversation not that long ago, and she says to me, babe, I really think that we need to start eating better. And I thought about that for a second, I thought, better? I don't know how we could eat any better. I mean, on Friday we had fried chicken, on Saturday we had barbecue, on Sunday we had apple pie and cake. How could you eat any better than that? I think we're eating just fine. She said, babe, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I think we need to eat healthier, healthier. And I said, okay, I guess we could probably do that. And so she suggested that we do this thing called the Whole30 Diet. Has anybody here ever heard of the Whole30 Diet? Okay, in case you've never heard of the Whole30 Diet, here's the way it works. For 30 days, you commit to no bread, no pasta, right, no dairy, no sugar, no fun, right? I mean, for 30 days, you're basically saying, I'm not going to have any of these things in my diet. And so I made a promise. I said, okay, babe, let's do it. We can do this. Let's, let's do the whole 30 diet. And so for the first few days, I was doing great. It was awesome. I was on track. It was amazing. But then I had a weak moment, right? And, and I just had, I, I cracked, okay? And I had to have some sugar because, I mean, I'm about that sugar life, okay? It's just, I had to have some sugar. And so I cracked. But in that moment, I broke my word. And the truth is, is that many of us, if we're honest, we often break our promises. I break promises, you break promises, many of us break promises, but did you know that there is one who never breaks his promises, and guess who that one is? It's God. We serve a promise-keeping God. God doesn't just make us promises. God keeps his promises. And so I want to encourage you, and I might get a little excited, and I might preach for a second here today. Is that okay if I preach, Mission Vineyard? I'm going to preach for a second, and here's what I'm going to say. If you are here today, and God has made you a promise, maybe he's promised you that he will heal you of an addiction. Maybe he's promised you that he will heal a broken relationship. If God has made a promise to you in your life, I came to confirm to you that if God has made you a promise, you can take it to the bank because we serve a promise-keeping God. He always finishes what he starts. And if he spoke it, if he promised it to you, it will come to pass. It will happen because we serve a God who always keeps his promises. And all throughout Scripture, there are several times where, where God enters into covenant promises with His people, with the people of God. And these covenants, these, these promises are for the redemption of all creation. This is God's heart, His desire is that, that all of creation would be reconciled to Himself. The first big covenant we see in Scripture is with Noah. It's after the destruction of the world by the flood, and he covenants with Noah. He says, never again will I destroy the earth by flood. Then in Genesis chapter 12, we see another covenant where he appears to this man named Abram, and he says, Abram, I am going to make you a great nation. He said, all the world, those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. And through you, all the world will be blessed. God is making a promise to Abram. He's saying, through you, I'm going to create a people, and through that people will come the reconciliation of all creation. 
And then we see this covenant continue in the book of Exodus. The third major covenant that we see in the Bible is the covenant that God makes with Moses. Now the context of this, this covenant that God is going to make with Moses in Exodus is that the people of God had just been freed from slavery, which I'm sure you guys have heard so wonderfully about over the last few weeks in this series on the book of Exodus. How God, by his mighty right hand, he's, he brought deliverance to the people of God from physical bondage, and I would argue from spiritual bondage as well. So the, the Red Sea had been parted. The people of God had been delivered. That is the context of where we're going to read these words, where God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. God says, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and how I brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and you keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See here, this is God making a covenant with Moses. Here we see an if-then covenant. God says, if you obey me, if you keep my commandments, if you follow the directions, then you will be my people. You will be a kingdom of priests. You will be a holy nation, an instrument of blessing to all the world. Then in Exodus 20 through 31, he goes on ahead and he outlines it. He gives very specific instructions, and that's where we find the Ten Commandments. That's where we find all kinds of teaching on justice and care for the immigrants among us, showing mercy. Here, he commands people uh, not to have other gods before him, and there's all sorts of instruction in worship, and God clearly outlines. He says, here's the map. Here's the path. Here are the directions on how to live a thriving life with God. And it says that the people of God, they're, they're eager to obey. They're excited about it. But then in chapter 32, we read that the people of God, they turn away from the covenant that they made with God. Instead of following the instructions, they think that it would be better if they created a God for themselves. And so what do they do? They make a calf out of gold, and it says that they began to worship it right there on the spot. Now remember, these are the same people who had seen God move in powerful ways. It's not like these people had said, man, we haven't heard God move for years. We haven't seen him. Does God even, is he even real? No. These are the same people who had seen God send plagues upon Pharaoh. These were the same people who saw God move and by his mighty right hand deliver them out of slavery. These were the same people who walked across the muddy bottom of the Red Sea as God held back the waters of the Red Sea. These were people who knew the presence and the power of God. These were people who had experienced and seen God move in powerful, powerful ways. And yet, and yet, Something compelled them to turn away from God. Now, before we throw the people of Israel under the bus too hard, I think we got to recognize that in some ways we're not all that different, right? In some ways we're not all that different. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've had a powerful encounter with God before. Maybe you've experienced this. 
where you've seen God move in powerful ways. Maybe he came into your life and delivered you from an addiction. That's my story. God came into my life. I was at rock bottom. I had made so many mistakes. I had busted up life, busted up relationships, and God broke in. He did a miracle. He transformed me. He changed me. And it was when I was at rock bottom that I recognized that Jesus was the rock at the bottom, and he lifted me up. That's my story. But maybe God healed you of an addiction. Maybe he healed a relationship that you were going through. I I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, you experience the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And maybe for a season, you were passionate about following him. It was like everybody around you, they were going to hear the good news, right? You were going to be that guy that invited everyone to church, and there was a passion. There was a fire that burned deep inside of your bones, and you could not help but tell other people about Jesus. Why? Because of all of the work that he had done in your life. But then time goes on, and suddenly what was once a blazing furnace of a fire sometimes can be dwindled down to an ember, right? And our passion sometimes begins to fade. And if we're not careful, we lose track. We stop following the directions. And we find ourselves turning away from the God who once so powerfully saved us and ransomed us and delivered us. I'll be the first to admit, that's been me. To some degree and another in my life, I've been there before. Where the passion has dwindled in my heart. That's why Israel's story, friends, it's really our story too. Their story is our story. You see, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you were born in the church, recited the Apostles' Creed, were baptized in the first nine seconds of your life. You, I, we, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are all in need of the grace of God and his forgiveness. All of us, we all have the propensity to sin. All of our hearts are inclined to sin. But here's the thing that I want to share with you. The law was never going to be enough to give the people of God all the direction that they truly needed. Something more was needed. Let me just ask, has anyone ever here ever felt before just absolutely worn out from trying to do everything you can to please God? Has anybody ever been in that place before? Where you've just been doing everything that you can. You're doing everything you can to do all the right things. You're doing everything that you can to avoid all of the wrong things. Working so hard to earn the favor of God. Maybe you tithe and maybe you're doing all of the right things that you're supposed to do. But even after doing all this work, you, you just feel worn out. You don't feel closer to God. And in fact, in some cases, you might even feel further away from the Lord, worn out from trying to earn God's favor and work harder. And to make things worse, maybe you talk to somebody and their advice to you is, well, you need to try harder, you need to do more, and you need to be better. How helpful is that advice, right? Try harder, do more, be better. I want to encourage you, if you are here today and you're worn out from trying to be better, trying to do good, and trying to just be better in your life, I've got some good news for you. That is that there is so much freedom in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. In fact, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, he says, before the coming of this faith, talking about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, he says, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody to the law 
locked up until that faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified through faith. And now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And so in Christ, we are all, you are all children of God through faith. You see, the law that gave Moses for the people of Israel, it was a central part of their existence. It was the perfect standard by which they were called to conduct their lives. And though the law was perfect, it revealed how imperfect each individual actually was. The law gave the people of God direction and knowledge of sin, but the law could never provide the solution for sin. See, it was going to take another sacrifice in order to do that. And that sacrifice would come from our sinless Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into a world that rejected him, that spit upon him. And as he carried that cross of Calvary, creation mocking its creator, when creation was at its worst, God was at his best. And he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then he looked up and said, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then in that moment the skies went dark, the earth began to shake, right? Three days later the tomb was empty and Christ was not there. He had risen. Giving you and I all freedom and entrance into the kingdom of God. You see, only Jesus could bring a solution to our sin. Jesus was born under the law. He was sinless under the law. He kept the law, taught the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. And through his death on the cross, the curse of the law has been removed. We live under grace. That's good news, right? Someone could clap about that maybe. I mean, that's exciting. Yes. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, Paul says, God sent forth his son to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son or daughter, I would add, you are an heir of God through Christ. You see, Jesus is the only one who ever walked this earth who kept God's law perfectly. And because he fulfilled the law, Jesus was able to become the perfect sacrifice for your sin and for my sin as well. And anyone, anyone who puts their faith in him will be set free from the bondage of the law and will become God's children. It's good news. So this is true, friends, as I close, for anyone, no matter who you are. You see, Christianity, it's not all that difficult. It's actually quite simple. The equation for Christianity, it's simple. It's Christ plus nothing. That's what Christianity is. It's Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ plus, plus, um, you know, Uh, this religious activity. It's not Christ plus go to church. It's not Christ plus this or that. It is Christ plus nothing. Friends, in Christ alone, we have the hope of eternal life. In Christ alone, we have forgiveness for our sins. It's in Christ alone that the old is gone, that the new has come. It is in Christ alone that we are filled with the Spirit of God to participate in his kingdom mission here on earth. It is in Christ alone that all of us are made new. You see, religion, the law, it's kind of all about us. It's all about me. It's all about how do I perform? How do I do? Am I good enough? Did I do the right things? Did I avoid the wrong things? Religion's all about me, but today I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. You see, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to have a relationship with you and with me. And that is desperately what, what, what he wants right now. He wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. 
with me. See, God doesn't love us because of what we do. He loves us because that's who he is. There's nothing that you or I could do today that would cause God to love you any more than he loves you right now. In the same way, there's nothing that you or I could do today that would cause God to love you any less. You could walk out of this room today and you could blow up your life, which I do not advocate doing that. Please don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) But if you did, God's love for you would not change. It doesn't change. Like his love for you is not dependent on your performance. It's not. He loves you because that's who he is. And in the same way, you could move to Calcutta and go start serving orphans in a, you know, some village somewhere, and he wouldn't love you anymore for that because his love for you does not change. It's always the same. Love is not something he does. It's who he is. So let me just ask, are you here today and maybe a little worn out, maybe a little worn out from, from ca- carrying a heavy burden, this burden of just trying to do better, try harder, perform on a higher level. I want to encourage you. Jesus offers a strong invitation. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds pretty good to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that's the invitation of Jesus today. As we, as the worship team, I think, comes up, and uh, I'm going to invite John up for ministry time as well, but um, the word that I really had coming here today was just that if you're here today and you're worn out, in one way or another, Jesus' invitation, it's, it's come to me, learn from me, and I will give you rest. So I'm going to pray, and then, okay. Yeah. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus, the perfect sacrifice the completion of all the covenant promises that we read in the Bible. Through Christ, Lord, all of us have an entrance into the family of God, the kingdom of God. There are some of us today who are just worn out, exhausted. Maybe it is from sort of this religious sort of striving to be better, but maybe it's just from life. (laughs) It's been a rough year. So, Lord, your words come to me, learn from me, and I will give you rest. They speak so much life into our spirits today. And so I just invite you today, uh, whenever it's time for prayer, if if that's you, um, somebody would love to pray for you. Yeah, so... We have a, a team of prayer ministers that are going to be in this corner. They're going to be willing to pray for any need, emotional, physical, or spiritual. But Scott gave a word this morning that I think is really critical. There's, there's a weariness that some of you are carrying and a, a sort of a false wake that for some reason you picked up that God really wants to release off of you. There's also some words that we had a prayer team praying for you even before the service began. And up on the screen, there's a couple of different words that they had for you. You know, these words, they're said in faith. They say, God, who, 
who is this that you have for us? I'm just going to write this down in faith. Maybe it catches somebody's attention. So if it does catch your attention, please, 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 please respond. Because God, this kind, loving father and friend was coming for you and just saying, I, I really want you to come, to come back to me. I want to release your burdens. This is something I know about. And I want to release it from you. I want to set you free. So I want these words to be kept up. We're going to be just singing one more song. If you want, you can stand with me again. Just begin to worship. There may be some things that God does in you as you worship. During that time of worship, come forward, come receive prayer, and then I'll come back and close the service with a benediction. Let's worship again together. As the people of Israel are standing on the edge of Canaan, Moses blessed them. And so I just felt it was appropriate that we would have a blessing, that we can sing over you. And as you are comfortable, you can help sing over your family in the congregation. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. children and their children and their children may his favor be
there's uh, just one more, I think, thing in ministry that the Lord wants to do. Scott, would you come back up? He had spoken at some point in the sermon about uh, at one time having a fire, at one time being that person that wanted to share his faith and, and be out there. There is an anointing I know that Scott has on him that I, I want you to impart to some people this morning that feel like, man, there was a time when my heart was just so full, I was ready to go for it. I was going to go for it for my friends, for my family, for my neighbors, for the homeless, for everyone. But that fire has dimmed, but I want the Lord to revive that fire in me. I want some bold people this morning. If you would come down this morning and you say, I want that fire again, that fire to take my faith to the nations, to, to my neighbors, maybe to my family. There's some people that, would you just come down right now? Just come down. There's a few that I know the Lord wants to bless to revive that fire again. Just come forward. God's calling you. He said, don't worry about that fire. I've got that fire. I've, I've got my promise for you to make that real in you again. Don't worry about that. I'm going to do that in you. Just come on forward. Come on down. And I'm going to ask God if you would just, be, just begin to pray. Just impart to them a new blessing. This blessing that God has for us this morning. The fire. A fire to bring God's good news to the lost. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Come down, come come around. There's room down here. John, would you come? Do you feel comfortable coming down? I know you've got that fire too. You've brought it to the iron block. <laughs> Some of you that say, man, that fire to bring the gospel, I don't know if I have the gospel in me. Would you pray with me right now that the Lord has gospel good news for you, that you can become his child through the freedom that comes to his death on the cross for you. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I am so sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. For dying on the cross for me so I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can be set free. This prayer of salvation is a prayer that we pray that God's grace enters into us. His spirit fills us and we're sent out into a life of adventure, not just a life of grow up, get a job and have grandchildren and die. A life of adventure where we get to ask Jesus every morning, Jesus, what do you have for me? A life of adventure, of fullness, of goodness in life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, don't leave without talking to one of these people that are being prayed for this morning because they're going to be walking out with you today and saying, hey, I want to walk with you as you begin this new life. As the worship team continues, there's children upstairs to be picked up. There's a life to continue to live, and so I want to bless you. Would you receive this blessing? I pray and I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't think God wants to end the service yet. I'm sorry. I'm just going to hold on for just a second.
God's doing something.